At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Thank you, David. Chronological study of the Bible. Solomon wrote, but did not include this in his book. 200 years later, the Lord Hezekiah to fix that. I'm going to ask you a favor. If I stray from the PowerPoint, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, if I stray from the PowerPoint. If I don't stray from the PowerPoint, we will finish Proverbs, or at least this section of Proverbs, and we can start back into the life of Solomon next week. If I get sidetracked, then we're going to do this Sunday and next Sunday. But if this is going to be long enough to where if I'll just stick to, I guess I'm not sticking to it right now, am I? No. Thank you for reading it. <laughs> Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The question is vision of what? My new boss of the gas company has a vision for the gas company. Is this what that's talking about? Is it vision for the future? Planning is basically what they're saying, what he's saying. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I think the rest of the verse clarifies what the vision is. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. It's vision for the Lord. It's vision for the Lord. It's not just vision for the future. And there's a lot of people, a lot of churches, that say we've got to have a plan for the next five years. And if we don't, then we're going to collapse. That's not what we're talking about. We've got to have a vision for the Lord for tomorrow and the next day and the next five years. But it's not just a concept of the future. It's a vision for the Lord in context of being corrected, which we are still in. In context of being corrected, it is vision for the Lord in others. It's vision for the Lord in others. And this is so very important, like Jesus in Matthew 9. Jesus knew when he was alive who the elect were, yet he felt compassion for the crowd. He fed the crowd. He didn't just focus on the elect. He had passion on the group. We need to have compassion on the group. There are many who think the Bible equals what? Don't answer out loud. I would say that the vast majority of people think the Bible equals this thing. Typically, we don't have a lot of these people in our lives, so we probably don't recognize it. Many, many people think the Bible equals Catholic. A lot of people think the Bible equals This past week, the Lord showed me something that it just opened my eyes. My favorite singer is a guy by the name of Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen is a, a poet, and his lyrics, you have to think about it, but he, he peppers it with a lot of anti... I'm going to finish. Thank you. Thank you for that, though. He peppers it with a whole lot of anti-religious stuff. It occurred to me he's not anti-Jesus. He's not anti-Bible. He hasn't read the Bible. He's anti-Catholic. And in that case, he's right. People who are anti-Catholic are right because it's not Christianity. 
but we have allowed them to believe it is Christianity, and that's where we make a mistake. There are many Christians who think the Bible will get them to heaven, and I was one of them for years, but it won't help their situation. To me, the best part of being a Christian is not heaven. To me, the best part of Christianity is knowing what the next step should be. A lot of Christians never consider that God will show them the next step. Do I see, and I've got the, the word I in red because I'm worse at this than anybody I know. Do I personally see what the Lord could do if we show people what the Bible actually says? Do I have a vision for showing people like Leonard Cohen what the Bible actually says, even if what he says I interpret as anti-Christian? Do I have a vision for what God could do in the life of Leonard Cohen, or do I go straight to criticism? I automatically go straight to criticism. In fact, had the Lord not showed me this week what Leonard Cohen's position was, I would have quit listening to him, even my, as my favorite artist. Okay, What he says, I relate to. What he says, I understand. And it made me uncomfortable what he was saying until I realized he ain't talking about my Bible. He ain't talking about my Jesus. He's talking about Catholic. Catholic that word. Catholicism. Yeah. Verse 19. A servant will not be corrected by words. If this is true, then why in the world do we bother telling people anything? Because we're all servants, are we not? The implication is only words. There has to be something more than words. For though he understand, he will not answer. He needs motivation along with the words. This says a lot about Christians who won't submit to Scripture. We cannot expect another Christian, and again, I'm worse at this than anybody, we cannot expect another Christian to respond to Scripture if the Holy Spirit doesn't make them see it. That comforts me, but I do get irritated a lot. It's like, man, I've preached on this so many times. How do they not get it? It's not their fault. They won't respond just to words. The Holy Spirit has to motivate them in the same way that a servant that is um, uh, like a, uh, an indentured servant. I, I don't like to go with American slavery, but servitude in the Bible. They needed motivation more than just uh, the words. Now, the few that didn't need the motivation, they put a thing through their ear and they stayed a servant because they had the motivation without the, 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 um, the discipline. But most will not. They need some other motivator. This Christian, though, particularly, who won't submit to Scripture, he expects mercy, and I did it for years. He expects mercy. I felt like I was going to heaven Therefore, whatever I did between now and then, God's going to forgive it eventually. Problem is, is I wasn't producing anything for the Lord, and that's deadly when it comes to being a child of God. He does not expect problems. Those problems are the motivation. Problems are the motivation. The Holy Spirit usually is behind the problem. The problem is not uh, an indication we're doing something wrong. It could be an indication that he just wants us to do more than what we're doing, period. 20. Seest thou a man that's hasty in his words? 
In context, this is cryptoquiticize. If it's just by itself, then why are they just saying it again? He's talked about this over and over and over again. Context, he's hasty to criticize. Again, I'm number one. There is more hope of a fool than him. Not correcting is a problem. If I see that Wade needs something from Scripture and I don't show it to him, that is a problem. And a lot of people think it's not for me to judge. There's a difference between judging and fruit inspecting. Judging says you deserve to have this happen to you because of what you're doing. Fruit inspecting says let me help you see something you might not see and then you do with it whatever the Lord leads you to do. There's very radical difference in there. Not correcting is a problem. Correcting too quickly is just as dangerous. Correcting too quickly is just as dangerous. Take time to find a Bible verse. This I have found to be very effective in eliminating the emotion when I have the conversation. So many times I've gotten irritated at people I've preached to. And they've come to me and they've said, um, I got this problem. And my answer has been, if you'll go to sermon audio, you'll find the answer. That doesn't help anybody. Okay? On the other hand, if I think, all right, they need this verse, I need to stop and find it. By the time I finally find it, I have calmed down, and I can say, this is what the Bible says. You know what happens almost every time? I remember that. I remember that. So much more effective. Take time to calm down, find a Bible verse, and gently teach it. Gently teach it. Why is it? They cannot get it with words alone. They can't. They've got to have some motivation. The Holy Spirit has commanded us, or Jesus commanded us to use the Holy Spirit to gently teach. We, we can't just expect people to get it. And again, I'm the worst when it comes to this. Proverbs 10:19. In the multitude of words, hasty is words. There wanteth not sin, or there is plenty of sin. In a lot of words, there's a lot of sin. That doesn't mean you're saying swear words. It means that your words are not measuring up. For all have sinned, which is what? Coming short of the glory of God. It's saying something other than Jesus would have said because we're too hasty. In a multitude of words, there wanted not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Refraineth his lips to do what? To consider what he's going to say. Not just not to correct. Correcting is important. We need it. But we need it in love. We need it with something that's bigger than us, which is always going to be a verse of Scripture. Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou man wise in his own conceit? I was like this. Growing up under dad, I knew sovereign grace as well as anybody did. And so when I was around people that didn't believe in sovereign grace, I could quote the verses. But I was always mean. Always mean. I was wise in my own conceit. I thought I had the answer. There is more hope of a fool than of him. Verse 21. 
He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child. Some say this is pampering him. I disagree. I don't believe this is pampering your servant. The rest of the verse is going to show why. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Pampering never helps anybody, but what he's doing here is helpful to the point that he actually becomes almost an adopted child. I think this servant is carefully trained. Delicately bringeth up. Carefully trained. Not just told, this is what it says, and you got to do it. Or even worse, you need to do this. That's the worst. Okay? Because it's just me showing my opinion, and it puts, gets put on the shelf with the Catholics, it gets put on the shelf with the Muslims, it gets put on the shelf with everybody else, because it's just my opinion. This is what the Bible says, and let me gently, can't say it, you got it in your mind, let me help you do this. Let me help you apply it. If they won't, then step back and say, all right, if you're not going to do what that says to do, then I can't help you, but I'll still love you. But if you're willing to try what this verse says is your next step, I'll be right there with you. I'll be doing anything I can to help you. won't do it for you. But I will do whatever I can to help you take the next step. I think this is a picture of sanctification. Delicately bringing up, I believe, is a picture of sanctification. The Lord delicately brings us up. When we get saved, we're not experts. When we're 50 years old, we're not experts. When we're 86, do we finally become an expert? No, we're not experts. We need the Holy Spirit to step by step by step by step bring us up. The Lord carefully trains us so that we will act like His children. Soon we will watch this happen to Solomon. It may not be easy to recognize, but we're, if, I'm going to do my best to point it out. 22. An angry man stirreth up strife. This morning, my brain is firing. Typically, I have a problem with memory. That's why I stick so close to the PowerPoint. I can't remember what comes next. This morning, my brain is firing. Also, my emotions are firing, and it would be so easy to get angry as I'm teaching this. That never helps. Anger never helps. An angry man stirreth up strife. Even if you got a Bible verse, it will not help. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Sometimes, believe it or not, church members get furious at other church members. We don't get to do that. Why? Because they will not respond to our words alone. They need some kind of motivation beyond our words. They need the Holy Spirit to open their eyes and say what He's saying is important. If they don't, if they don't have that, our words mean nothing. That's why tongues was so important in the early church. It wasn't to, to prove that something had happened. It was to communicate the message with more people. On the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, everybody heard it, but they only knew one language. Okay, It wasn't magic. It wasn't just to say, hey, here we are. It was to say, look, 
How many of you need this in different languages? How many were out of the church that day? 3,000. 3,000. Not because they witnessed in Hebrew or Greek or whatever language was, one-on-one. -on -one. There were only 12 of them. Okay? Maybe more than 12 at this point. But because so many people heard it that one time and the Holy Spirit used it, never, ever, ever correct what emotional. Never. I've told you this many times. I am one of the angriest people that you've ever met. I do not like people at all. I actually ripped the front door of my house off years ago because I was angry. And it occurred to me, you're out of control. And I have decided long time ago, or the Lord showed me a long time ago, you've got to control this all the time. You've got to be aware of this all the time. So people tend to get surprised when I talk about my anger. Never, ever correct with emotional. What is the thing that will help us not do that? Decide we need a Bible verse. When By the time we take the time to get a Bible verse, We've calmed down. It works every time. Any emotion, by the way. If we're too happy, happy turns to angry very quickly because most people around us are not happy and they don't like happy people. So when you get around somebody like Joanne, Joanne's one of these, always happy. It's like, man, she irritates me. Why? She's too happy. On the other hand, if I can slow down and decide, I need to show in, show Joanne from the Bible how it's wrong to be happy. <laughs> See that? Rowanda got it. Okay? This works. I'm telling you, it works. But we can't just decide I'm not going to correct. We can't. Some people, we are the only Bible they get. They think the Bible equals Catholic. And they're not interested in it. Calm down. Check Scripture, then speak. But always, eventually, speak. Proverbs 15, 18, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that's slow to anger appeaseth strife, and the implication is gets the job done. Proverbs 26, 21, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife or not get the job done. 23, a man's pride shall bring him low. This is over and over and over in Proverbs. Why say it again? In context, he's too proud to be corrected. Boy, so this, this really hit me. I'm in the job of teaching, which is a form of correcting. I have to remind myself, I need this. I need this. There's a reason the Lord has put this in front of me now. Ray, you said that what you hear in church applies to your life. It applies to mine as well, if I will listen. If I'm only focused on fixing Ray, then Danny doesn't get fixed because Danny is proud. He thinks he's doing fine. We see this over and over and over, and still we let pride take control. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Humble in spirit is admitting we don't know it all. This is terrifying for a lot of preachers. Admitting we don't know it all is terrifying because he is afraid. 
that they will go to a preacher that pretends to know it all because they think they will get more answers from him. There are things that nobody can answer for you except the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can show you what the next step is. He may use a preacher. He may not. He may use anything. He may use problems to show you what the next step is. Don't assume a preacher is going to know everything. They don't. It's admitting we need direction even as Christians. We still need direction. The more we seek godly guidance, and I, again, I can't stress this enough, it's primarily in the Bible. Don't assume that when we need advice, just going to another Christian is going to give us the answer because a lot of Christians don't use the Bible to give their advice. Godly advice, advice that flows, falls in line with the Bible. The best way to find out is say, can you give me a verse for what you just said? That is the best way to find out. So many times, when I was doing wrong in between Park Ridge and Nell, Christians told me, you have to follow love. You have to follow love. Worst advice a Christian can give. Worst advice. But I never asked for a verse because I like the advice. We have to remember all good advice comes from Scripture. All of it does. We need to take time to find that Scripture which will, in fact, calm us down. It's wonderful how it works. The fewer mistakes we will make, the more godly guidance we seek. The more godly guidance we seek, the fewer mistakes we will make. Again, I told you earlier, the, my favorite part about being a Christian is not getting to heaven. That's going to be great, but that doesn't help me now. Okay? My favorite part about being a Christian is knowing the next step. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't let raise your hand because I'm going way off the PowerPoint now. Let's suppose that it was proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Bible is fake, it's false, it's not true, there is no afterlife, there is, there's no question about it, whatever, it's just not real, there's not going to be a heaven, it's proved totally false. Would I still want to go to church? The answer is no. I don't like people. I, I wouldn't want to go to church. Would I still want to read the Bible? The answer is yes, because the Bible works. Even if there's no heaven, the Bible works. I love that, that there's power in the words. Quran can't do that. Book of Mormon can't do that. None of the other cults or false religions can actually help make a decision the next step. They can just simply say, this is your target, and you be a good boy, and you'll finally get there. It's not the case. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord, humble in spirit, respect of God, is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. We have to admit we need it. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goeth before destruction. By the way, pride does not go before a fall. If we're going to quote this verse, quote it right. This is important, especially on Facebook. This is vital on Facebook. If we misquote scripture on Facebook, we admit we don't know what it really says and our advice goes out the window. 
We must take a moment to be accurate. I hate Facebook. I don't know if I ever told y'all that, but I really, really don't like Facebook. If the Lord is using you on Facebook, more power to you. I stay as far away from it as I can get. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly. Better it is to hang out with the dumb people, is what it says. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud or enjoy the results of your advice. It's better just to accept a low position than to do it in a prideful way. Proverbs 18.12 Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty or proud. Before honor is humility. When reading Scripture, every time, every time, every verse, ask, what does the why did the Lord put this in my Bible? Every time, reading every verse, why did the Lord put this in my Bible? Very, very important. God preserved His Word to speak to us as individuals. Most of it applies to us as a group. But a whole lot of the Bible will never apply to Wade because he don't have that problem. But daily, I need direction for the next step. Why did God put this in my Bible? What does he want me to do? Because it is there. A man's pride shall bring him low. Eh, I don't need to do that. Eh. It will bring Scripture to life which will use it. Life will use what we learn when we personalize the scripture. Why did God put this here? What does he want me to do about it? This has guided me through Proverbs. If Proverbs is only about the really, really foolish people, it's not going to apply to anybody because nobody thinks they're really, really foolish. It's got to be something we all can use and all of us don't seek Jesus fairly regularly. The next section is long, and we got time to do it. Thank you, Lord. Whoso is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. Duh. But a lot of people do it. What if the person who needs correction is scary? Again, context is correcting others. What if the other person is scary? Most thieves are scary. They're not afraid of the cops. They're not going to be afraid of you. <clears throat> do we just keep quiet and be their friend take a moment and think is there someone in my life that really needs what the Bible says but I'm too afraid to show it to them because I'm afraid of what they might say that's what this is talking about we must remember thieves steal eventually from their friends don't be their friend if we're not going to try to help them follow scripture just don't we need, to venture, uh, we need to remember that liars lie eventually to their friends. If we're not going to help them follow Scripture, don't be their friend. Eventually, they're going to do to us what they do to other people. Those who talk about others will talk about their friends. If we're not going to help them stop doing that, don't be their friend because guess what? They're going to talk. That's just what the sin nature does. He heareth cursing and bereath it not. Hearing cursing and bereath it not is how he hates his own soul. But what does that mean? 
It's a partner to a thief, but he hears cursing. Does that mean that all thieves curse? It's not what he's talking about at all. Listen, oath, declare are the three Hebrew words there. Listen, oath, declare. The implication is if he has to go to court, he will have to explain himself. That's the implication. Whoso is partnered with a thief hateth his own soul, then why are you a partner with a thief? Why is he your friend? That's the implication. Most of us are not going to go to court. So how does it apply to us? Folks, when these scary friends do get corrected, they will say, we never said anything. When these scary friends eventually do get corrected, they will say, well, Danny never said nothing. It's not a place I want to be. What we need to do is decide, I'm going to help you get closer to Jesus, or I'm going to have nothing to do with you. By the way, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus helped people get close to God. That's why he hung around with the tax collectors, the prostitutes. He didn't like the Pharisees because the Pharisees didn't want to get closer to God. He had nothing to offer them. They didn't want what he had. We need to be in the business. I want to help you become closer to God. I'm not an expert, but together we can help each other. That's the point of church. We get together and we help each other become closer to Jesus. This leads to the very next one, verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. People hate when I say this, folks, but never trust anyone, especially a church. Never trust anyone. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but this isn't talking about necessarily being afraid. Micah chapter 7. Trust ye not in a friend. What? That's Bible. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. What is that saying? We are commanded to ignore what the preacher says if he can't back it up with Scripture. Because it's just his opinion. Keep the doors of thy mouth from he that lieth in thy bosom or even your closest friend. For the son dishonoreth the father, and that is true, sons almost always eventually hurt their parents. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Surprise on that one there. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Psalm 118, verse 8. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Don't ever put confidence in man. Men are sinners. Sinners sin. If man could stop being a sinner, then why in the world did Jesus have to go to the cross? Jeremiah 17. Thus saith the Lord in verse 5, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. What? Cursed be the man that trusts another person. It's in your Bible. I didn't write it. It's always been there. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm or another person's opinion his strength. Don't make my opinion your strength. Make Scripture your strength. Cursed be the man that trusts the man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Why is it we love Facebook? Because we can find someone to, help, to agree with us, and we don't have to necessarily focus on the Bible because, well, this person must know what they're talking about. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, in the desert shall not see when good cometh. Why? 
He doesn't know what the next step is. He knows what he wants the next step to be, and he's found somebody to help him do that. Jonah, classic example. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. The implication here is people will guide us the wrong way almost every time because that's what sinners do. We need scripture. Are we picking up on the fact we need to be in the Bible? We need to be in it. Don't wait to get to church to be in the Bible because they, they might not be talking about something that applies to you. Get in the Bible ourselves. Find out why did God put this in my Bible? What does God want me to do because this is in my Bible? It will open it up. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Made to prosper is what blessed means. Made to prosper is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Verse 8, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters or strong roots that spreadeth out her roots by the river, shall not see when the heat cometh, or won't care when the heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Able to overcome obstacles. The heart is deceitful above all things. Don't trust someone else's heart. Don't trust our own heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Sinners sin. There are no good people. Everyone will hurt us eventually. Every time I say this, somebody gets mad at me. Well, what about my mom? What about my mom? My mom, I guarantee you, was better than your mom. Because my mom was sick, and she still was godly. Did my mom ever hurt me? Yeah. I'm never going to tell anybody about it, because I know why it happened. Everyone in our lives will eventually hurt us if we don't keep our guard up. That doesn't mean we avoid everybody. That means we keep this in mind. We keep Scripture in mind as we interact. Not so much how can you make my life better, but how can I make your life better. That's why we must love them. Patient, kind, selfless. We have to be commanded to be patient. We have to be commanded to be kind. We have to be commanded to be selfless. Why? Because eventually we're not going to be able to do it naturally for every single person. The sooner we get this, the less we will get hurt. This comes into mind every time that I get upset at someone that I know heard my sermon. And now they got a problem because they're not doing my sermon. I forget they're sinners. I forget that they need the light of the Holy Spirit just like an unsaved person does. Sovereign grace works for more than just salvation. Sovereign grace works for every area in our life where we will eventually choose good or bad. Why? Without the Holy Spirit, we will always choose the wrong thing. Sin nature. A dog is always going to eventually bark because it's in his nature. If he is trained, if he is disciplined, he will know to control it, but the urge will always be there. Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. 
What a way to come to the end of Solomon's Proverbs. I think there's one after this or two after this, but we're right at the tail end of Solomon's Proverbs. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Don't ever be afraid, but of power and of love of a sound mind. Trust in the Lord's leadership. Don't ever be afraid. Trust in the Lord's leadership. In context, use God's word with anyone, even Leonard Cohen. By the way, Leonard Cohen died. I hope that somebody used God's word with him. I really do. I don't know. I certainly didn't have the opportunity. But anybody, including the new CEO at my work, can be talked to about God's word, or at least the principles in God's word. Anybody can, because everybody needs it. Trust that the Holy Spirit will do his part. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient or it's good for you. You need it that I go away. They needed Jesus to go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. He will use our words when they are God's words to do the work. That's exciting. That's powerful. But he doesn't have to do it with everybody. I can't get upset if he doesn't do it. The only time I have a right to get upset is if I'm chicken. I'm afraid of people. I'm scared. I can get upset at myself, but I can never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, get upset and wait for not responding to something I tell him about because he needs the Holy Spirit to enlighten him, to show him the way. Two left, we're going for it. Many seek the ruler's favor. Authorities are wonderful if they agree with us. This is the problem in America is we are so split in our opinion that whatever authority we get is going to not agree with half the people. If they don't agree with us, no one wants them. That's why we vote. That's why we're going to vote this year. But very often we lose the vote. How many of you have voted your whole life and always got who you wanted? No one. The founding fathers wanted that, by the way. It balances out the country. Even the candidate doesn't live up to the hype. That's very disheartening. This is true on every level of leadership, including leadership in church. But every man's judgment or justice comes from the Lord. Justice will come because God said it would. Relax on the whole justice thing. That doesn't mean I don't try to teach. It doesn't mean I don't try to correct. But what they do with it, they answer to God, not to me. Vote. Then focus only on the Lord for justice. This is where we make a huge mistake as Americans. We think that if I vote for the right guy, the country will change. No, it will not. No one has that much power. It was set up with checks and balances so that no one person could ever do that. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. That's comforting. 27, the last one, right? In your, anybody in, the, in your Bible? Okay, this is the last one. La, the last one of Solomon's Proverbs. An unjust man is abomination to the just. He that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Here we have abomination or a hated thing. The first part, the just people hate the unjust. 
The second part, the wicked hate the just. So they hate each other. Two groups hating each other. The two don't think alike. Their goals are entirely different. This is why they need a mediator. Job 9, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in justice. Two people are never going to come together in justice unless they do it through Scripture. There is no, no solid way to say this is the right thing. We are always trying to change the laws because we recognize there's a lot of injustice there. Scripture gives us a final statement. This is what we should do. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. He's talking about the Lord here, by the way. Let him take his rod away from me. Let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. Job had no concept of Jesus. Job just thought God was out to get him. Be so grateful we understand about Jesus. By the way, we are to be priests bringing God and people together not criticizing and again I'm the worst I am the worst I, all of us have to keep this in mind I'm no better than this person they just need what I see and I need to be kind and show it to them and then let the Holy Spirit motivate them if the Holy Spirit don't I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be in charge our focus must always be helping others seek Jesus always if not we will become like them this is the last of Solomon's Proverbs, and I cannot believe I'm only two minutes late. This is the last of Solomon's Proverbs. I strongly believe chapters 30 and 31 chronologically come 200 years later. I'll talk about that when we finally get 200 years later. Next week, we're going to discuss good gossip. I thought gossip was bad. No, next week we get good gossip. Finally a chance to do what comes natural and not feel bad for doing it. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for Proverbs. Thank you for leading us step by step through it. Please don't let me particularly, please don't let me be relieved that we're out. Please help me to remember that's God's word. And even though it might be a little harder to focus on, please, Holy Spirit, draw me in and Focus me on the one that I need for that particular circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.